0: So high right now. Anything's possible. Oh my mama. Oh my mama, made possible. Rain and Jays back with the vengeance back. All the real Celtics fans in attendance. Ooh. This is the truth like 34. Yeah. This like walking in the garden when you hear the roars Hey there, welcome back to the Lockdown Celtics podcast. Thank you for making this show part of your daily routine. Whatever it is that you're doing, wherever you're going right now, and whether you're watching this show right now on YouTube, I appreciate you making this show part of your daily routine. I'm hoping that you're doing so on the new YouTube channel, which if you're watching it, maybe you already subscribed. If you stumbled onto it, please subscribe. I'm John Corrales. I cover the Boston Celtics for the Boston Sports Journal. And I have written a book. It's called The Boston Celtics All-Time All-Stars. It's now available wherever you get your books. This is what it looks like on the YouTube page. You can find out how to buy it at my personal website, johncorrales.com. Plenty of links, including ways to get signed copies if you missed out on the book signing that I just did. So um, today in the show was an off day for the Celtics. They uh, did not practice, obviously, but they will take on the... San Antonio Spurs on Friday night. I'm not doing a post-game podcast after that. I'll cover that if I need to on Monday's show. So Marcus Smart is going to be segment one for me here. Uh, he was, uh, he, he's was he been a little bit of a lightning rod. He came up on Danny Ainge's radio appearance on 98.5. Uh, I'm going to talk about Romeo Langford, Evan Fournier, people asking me, am I worried about these guys, especially Romeo Langford? I'm going to talk about that. In segment two, in segment three, I thought it was an interesting thing that Steph Curry hit 96 three-pointers in the month of April. 96. (laughs) That's a lot. Is it time to end the corner three? I think so. I'm going to talk about that in the third segment. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to builtbar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. So let's start with the discourse surrounding Marcus Smart. Now, the word regression is coming up a lot when it comes to Marcus Smart. There is a feeling out there that Marcus Smart has regressed this year. And I will say that his shooting has hit a, a, a rough patch this season, to say the least. So his three-point shooting peaked two years ago when he shot 36.4% from three, which is a, a perfectly fine number, 36 04 percent is not Steph Curry, but it's high enough. And in the last season it was thirty four point seven percent, which is certainly not Steph Curry, but it is also high enough. And then this year it's dropped down to thirty three point seven. Now that that's been a a bit of a, a constant drop. I'm going to look at the month by month. Three pointers at the beginning in December was only five games, forty three percent. Then he had a tough January, a thirty five point five percent March, and a thirty four point nine percent April. So that January swoon is really what what hurt him. If he can hang around that thirty five percent mark, that's fine. So one of the things that and people don't like it because he he t- tends to shoot about six three-pointers a game. I hate to tell you, just let me start with this. Anything above 34% is generally perfectly fine, acceptable, three-point shooting. If you have a team and I have a team and we each take 100 shots and your team takes nothing but twos and hits 50% of them, you score 100 points. If my team takes nothing but threes and hits 34% of them, I win. I score 102 points. So anything above 34% from three is like shooting 50% plus from two. So Marcus Smart at 33.7 is a a tick below that. You want to see that get better. But I know people don't like to really acknowledge that that's that's fine. It's not great. It's not going to light the world on fire, but that's fine. But he has taken a step back shooting-wise. And I think that there are a couple of factors. I think the comeback from his, uh, his calf strain has been a little bit of a factor as far as uh, defensively, that feeling that he's regressed. I think that played into, I think we've seen lately, that his, his defense has gotten better. I think that he's been asked to do a lot. He started the season without Kemba here. Uh, Jason Tatum missed some time, uh, when, when Kemba was coming back, smart got hurt. And so I think smart has felt like he's had to step up the scoring. And I think if you look at recently, the games where the Celtics have missed multiple starters is when Marcus smart is really jacking threes and the games where everybody's there, he, I mean, I'm not saying he doesn't jack threes in those games, but he's much more focused on moving the ball, getting the ball over to better scorers. I don't think there's any any uh, slight on Smart. I think Smart would tell you Kemba's a better scorer than Marcus Smart. Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, they're better scorers than Marcus Smart. When he's out there on the floor with those three guys and whichever center, let's say Robert Williams, I think that'll ultimately be his starting center. When he's out there with those guys, I think he understands that passing the ball is going to get us better opportunities from three. And if those guys have the ball and get a ton of attention, then I can go spot up somewhere and get open shots. And look, open shots from a guy that hits 34, 35, 36% from three is acceptable. That's an acceptable result for your offense if you've worked the ball around. And if that's a shot you end up with, That's acceptable. That's not the shot that you're looking for necessarily. It's not the shot that you're hunting for. But if you've probed and the defense has done its job and you end up getting a three-point shot from a guy who makes 34, 35, 36% of those, then that's fine because the numbers ultimately work out in your favor. So this feeling that Marcus Smart has regressed, I understand where it's coming from. I understand that people say that he's not exactly who he was at his best, and that he's at his worst this season hes there have been some real stinkers. he has had some real bad shooting games, including the other night where he was one for ten. That was a bad night, and he has certainly been prone to more bad nights. but I'm not willing to call it a regression because I think a lot of circumstances have played into what Marcus Smart has done on the floor. And I do think that all things being equal, I think Marcus Smart understands what his overall role is. And we've seen again recently, defensively, he has stepped up. I think he has been much better defensively in April than he has, I think, in in prior months. I think the calf injury going away has been part of it. Now, one of the reasons why his regression thing came up is the the suspension. And Danny Ainge basically said that he feels like the league went a little too far, that probably they shouldn't have suspended him. But at the same time, Marcus does need to be better about keep, keeping those emotions in check, that he shouldn't be following referees off the floor and saying anything. And I don't know what he said. Danny Ainge won't say what he said. I don't think he should say what he said. I mean, as an as a uh, an executive, I don't know that that's uh, Danny Ainge's place to reveal what Marcus Smart said. Maybe we'll find out what he said. I'll, we'll certainly try. But I think there is also some element of Marcus Smart's prior history now with the league. And he doesn't have the leeway that other players other players have. If Grant Williams said what he said, would Grant Williams have been suspended? Maybe not. Maybe it would have been different, but Marcus Smart and his relationships with the officials is, uh, is known. I mean, he's, he's had his issues with the officials. So, uh, he'll complain about them again. He'll lose more money. He'll get fined plenty more times in his career. I don't know what he said to cross the line here to get that suspension, but it's one more thing in the chapter of Marcus Smart that, that ultimately I think the detractors will latch onto. uh, And, and even the supporters will say, look, we understand that that's not what we want him to be, but at the same time it comes with the territory. And the real question when it comes to this is if you, Take this away from him. Are you chopping his balls off by, you know, taking away his ability to be fiery and use that emotion to his advantage? Is that what you really, is that what you're trying to do here with Marcus Smart? Is that going to be the, the end result that if you say, fine, you know, look, Marcus says, I, I'll i do everything I can to not do that. Are you taking away enough of the fire that you don't get the desired results with Marcus Smart, those those winning plays? Can Marcus Smart be that guy that does all those things without that high level of emotion and the price that you pay for that high level of emotions every once in a while, it spills over. So I, I personally, I'm, I'm very happy to have Marcus Smart on this team. I think this team has lacked an edge. It's lacked a chip on its shoulder this season. And Marcus Smart's the only one out there that seems to have that. And I would rather have that than not have that. And all we need for Marcus Smart is to understand that 10 three-pointers is probably not ideal, but I think if the Celtics are whole and he's on the floor with better scores, he understands that 10 10 three-pointers might not be a good idea uh, unless they're all wide open, in which case, fire away. I I think most times he'll make it as opposed to not making it. Up next am I worried about Romeo Langford and Evan Fournier. That is coming up when I come back. Bet Online is the place to go to place all of your bets. It is the number 1 betting site in my opinion on the web. Baseball, football, when it comes back. We just had the NFL draft. You probably could have bet on the NFL draft on Bet Online. You can bet on anything sports-related on Bet Online, and you can have in-game stuff if you're uh, watching the Celtics game. And Marcus Smart has taken 10 shots, 10 threes in the first half. You can bet on how many threes he's going to take in the second half. There are things like that all over Bet Online, so check them out. All the place, all the odds, all the prop bets that you can think of, stuff outside of uh, sports sports around the world it's it's all available on bet online so go check them out use the promo code locked on you're going to get a 50% welcome bonus at bet online use that promo code 50% welcome bonus to get so if you drop 100 bucks in there on your first deposit 50 bucks is your welcome bonus so make sure you are going to bet online and use that promo code locked on Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Please gamble responsibly. Have you subscribed to the Locked On Celtics podcast yet? You can wherever podcasts exist, and you can follow us on Spotify. A couple of very important guys who have struggled in the past few weeks. Uh, first of all, Evan Fournier who as a member of the Boston Celtics is, is struggling overall has played eight games. He is 21 of 69 shooting for a whopping 30.4%, 30. including 32 and percent from three, eight of 29 from two. Um, damn bad numbers for Evan Fournier, but he did have that one huge game before he got COVID and one of the things that I really want to emphasize here is how, how much COVID is really impacting players. Um, and and this is where Romeo Langford comes in as well, because Romeo Langford has played a total of 45 games in his NBA career, 13 this season. Uh, all of those have been coming back from COVID as well. And I'm just afraid that some people are getting a little too caught up in the immediacy of these basketball games to really understand how much COVID impacts these players and how much, uh, how long it takes to come back. For Evan Fournier to come back from COVID and feel like, first of all, on a new team and trying to get up to speed there, and then coming off of COVID and, like I said in yesterday's show, feeling a bit foggy, I just want people to understand that this is a real thing. COVID is a real problem for these guys, and we're asking these professional athletes to play at this elite level, and they're coming off a thing that has hindered their lung function, that has hindered their their overall uh, energy levels, and then we're throwing them back in, and saying, okay, you're cleared to play, while they're still feeling the after effects. It's like a hangover. And we're asking them to just, yeah, go in and be, be good against a bunch of guys who haven't had this recently and, and are fully fine in the, like against Charlotte. You're playing against a, a basically full Charlotte team, uh, a Charlotte team full of guys that have played all season together that are fine. And super athletic, by the way. And you're saying, hey, Evan Fournier, go in there and and be great against them. And yeah, you hope that he is, but if he's clearly not himself considering the, the COVID impact, then am I worried about him? No, I'm not worried about him. I'm not. Am I worried about Romeo Langford? No, I'm not worried about Romeo Langford either yet. And there are people who want to say the sky is falling, but... Romeo Langford played 13 games this season so far, and he is also struggling. But he especially needs the time to get back up to speed. And people are asking me, like, why didn't Romeo play against Charlotte? Well, because have you seen how Romeo has played lately? He hasn't played much at all. And you want him to go in and play against Charlotte – we are, at the same time, crushing this team for not winning and then saying, why aren't you playing these guys who have been bad? And Brad Stevens is desperately trying to win these games, and he's grasping at straws. I was asked about his lineups and who comes in when. I think if you see the starters, you you, you see a generally consistent substitution pattern where generally Jason Tatum comes out somewhere around the six or seven mark uh, or five mark, I should say, sits for a few minutes, comes back in at the end of the first quarter, gets a quick break at the at the quarter break, and then starts the second ha- second quarter with a bunch of bench guys. That's been something that's been effective. That's been something that's consistent. We see with the starters Brad Stevens kind of trying to get a consistent breakdown of this is when I where I want my starters to play and when I want them to play. Who plays around them has been a crapshoot. He has said from the beginning of the season, "We just need to find the guys that complement our best players." And so that's what he's been doing all season long. And this season has has turned into uh you know, needing a bunch of different starting lineups like They've, they've played, how, 17 different starting lineups this season? 17? And that's out of necessity. That's not Brad Tinkering. That's, well, I guess I got to start Grant Williams today, or Shemi or Tremont Waters, or Romeo Langford. Like, he He's trying like hell to figure out, how do I get some consistency? And they haven't been able to stick with that. And so why does Romeo not play? Well, because against certain matchups, you say, okay, well, we need somebody who's more of a ball handler. So Tremont Waters got more time than Romeo Langford. Because Romeo Langford went out there, played one game as the point guard. I wrote about it. Everybody wrote about it. And it's like, not bad, not great, but not bad. Well, we we don't have time for not bad. Remember what I said yesterday at the end? You just got to find a way to win win games. You got to find a way to win these games and just move on. And I'm sorry, Romeo Langford, that you don't get to play some games, but that's it. You, you, you have to stay ready. This is the pros. This is the big boy time now. You have to stay ready. You have to stay on your toes. And if you get an opportunity, you better make the most of it. And it's not easy. This whole season's not easy. But you got to do it. So Romeo has been impacted by all of this. It's not his fault, not his fault that he had a broken wrist that he thought he'd have more time to rehab. The season was supposed to start in January originally. And he came back in March. That would have only missed what? Two months. Assuming he didn't get COVID in that scenario. But Instead of missing the whole season up to that point, he would have missed, uh, no, I shouldn't say it like that, but instead of missing, what was it? Three, four months? He would have missed two months. And then he would have had more time. And Brad Stevens would have had more time. And hopefully, in that scenario, there would have been a little bit more spacing out of some games. But regardless, when Romeo Langford came back, he missed more of the season than he originally thought he was going to miss. And then he gets COVID and that impacts him negatively. Like he's out there trying to get caught up after missing the whole season. And how is he supposed to play well? I compared it to trying to jump on a runaway horse. Like how how are you supposed to do that in stride? So the people who are getting on Romeo and getting on any of these guys who have had COVID, like just back off a little bit because – it's significantly impactful on these guys and i know that that's not going to make anybody care like for some reason these people aren't actually people to some some fans they're not actually human beings who get impacted and whose lung function suffers when you get covid for them but they are these are just human beings they're human beings who play basketball at an extraordinarily high level but they're still human beings so they're all impacted the same way we see people impacted on the news. They're just elite athletes. Their bodies do things our bodies can't. But every then every other way, they're they're people, human beings. So that's why it bothers me. If it if I come off as like, geez, this really bugs John. That's the thing that I it, it bothers me the most. That's what bothers me the most, is that when these, these human beings aren't treated as such and they're just treated like disposable items or machines that are just supposed to operate a certain way and there's just no room for deviation. They're human beings with human issues and this is it. And that impacts how you work and that, that impacts how they work. All right, up next, uh, I'm going to use Steph Curry's 96 point three pointer month to advocate for the end of the corner three. I think it's time for the corner three to go away. Uh, What is not going to go away is the Built Bar because Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the market in 18 flavors in the regular rotation. Plus special added flavors at BuiltBar.com all the time. There's all different kinds of built bars, different styles, but their core lineup is 18 different flavors with nuts or no nuts. If you've got a nut allergy, not a big deal. They are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. If you're on a keto diet, not a problem. You can have these. They fit within the, the confines of that diet. Something like uh, cookies and cream. Like you get something that says cookies and cream and you're like, this, this is going to be horrible, like horrible for me. No, 130 calories in the cookies and cream bar, 17 grams of protein, four grams of sugar and four net carbs. That's, that's great. So if you want to have one for breakfast, if you want to have one after a workout, there are many different ways that you can have Built Bar. It's great for you. Uh, go to builtbar.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15. LOCKED15 will get you 15% off your next order. So whatever you want to try a flavor, you want to try an assorted box, go ahead and use that LOCKED15 code because you can use it again the next time to pick out different flavors or more of the ones that you end up finding out that you like. So LOCKED15 for 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. Be sure to follow our social channels at lo Celtics on Twitter and at Locked On Celtics on Instagram. Before I get into this uh, advocating for the end of the corner three, I want to send a shout out to Tom uh, at Lord Pizza at uh, in North Attleboro, Lord Pizza in North Attleboro. I got their menu right here. Uh, Tom is uh, a podcast listener. He works here. It's around the corner from uh, Plainville where I was doing the virtual events with an unlikely story, that bookstore where um, that was a lot of fun, by the way, if you missed it, there's a replay on there. If you go to the uh, unlikely story bookstores uh, website, but uh, that was a, a whole half hour conversation about how I came up with the book idea, um, how I structured the book and all of that stuff. But afterwards I talked to, Talk to Tom, who uh, had a book for me to sign as well. I want to send him a shout-out. His mom, Mary, the guys at Lord's Pizza. Shout-out to you. I had the pizza. It was pretty good. I uh, really enjoyed it, so shout-out to you you guys. All right, let's uh, get into the Steph Curry month that was where he hit 96 three-pointers. 96 three-pointers in April. One month That is just an outrageous, outrageous number. So I saw that. Whenever I see outrageous shooting numbers, I like to go back to like the 1980s and Larry Bird because Larry Bird was a tremendous shooter and could have been one of these three-point like maniacs, but that's not what the game was back then. So uh, I always like comparing and contrasting these eras and it's just hilarious. So Steph makes 96 three-pointers this month. It took Larry Bird uh, four years, not three years and 40 games, three seasons and 40 games to get to 96, all right? So let's start with this. He made more than 96 threes in a single season only once in a whole season. That was in 1988. 1986, he led the NBA with 82 made three-pointers for the whole year. The whole year, (laughs) 14 less than Curry made this month. 1987, he led the league with 90. It took Curry 15 games to get to 96 this month. It took Larry Bird 281 career games to get to 96. Larry Bird has taken five or more three-pointers 28 times in his career, and his high was eight. Steph Curry has taken eight or more three-pointers 51 times this season. He has one game this season with 20 attempts from three. And he has taken 15 or more three-pointers 35 times over the course of his career. (laughs) There's a lot of numbers out there. Um, So I think this is a great time to look at what the three-pointer is in today's NBA and what the league might need to do. And I think Curry's impact on the game has been very Wilt Chamberlain-esque, just opposite types of players. It's an equal but opposite type of impact that Curry is having on the league. And I think it highlights – what a special three-point shooter really looks like and how the league should be looking at three-point shooting in general. So bring this back to like Marcus Smart where 34, 35, 36% is acceptable. But do we want that guy, the Marcus Smarts of the world, cashing in on a bunch of threes from the corner and turning the game into just seeking out those corner opportunities? And I'm starting to think that the league needs to look into changing the dimensions on the court that the league needs to look into instead of having the circle, the arc go all the way over and then straight down, just continue the arc to the sideline, that natural arc. When you, if you just continue that same, like you were continuing to, to, to make a circle. At some point there, right at the top of the, right at that break, it will just naturally go into the sideline. And I like the idea of just doing that. Everything above that's a three. And then everything below that is a two. And why I like that is because the, the corner three pointers have become so, so disruptive that they reward less than special three-point shooters. And I think it will de-emphasize the guys who are your 35 36% types of shooters. It'll de-emphasize the guys that are trying to hunt those corner threes and only those corner threes. I think it'll change the specialization of the 3 and D guys To some degree, because those guys can only do, I mean, they can be elite defenders, but if you can only hit a three, well, that's not quite as valuable if the threes that you used to get aren't going to be there. And the guys above the break are, are like, you're not going to send Steph Curry into two point territory. You're not going to send Damian Lillard into two point territory to spot up you 're not going to send your elite shooters out there. those are going to be the guys that stay above the three point line and without having to guard the corner threes quite as much, you might have defenses selling out on trying to stop those guys above the three point line and But those guys, if they are if if they see the defenses selling out, that could trigger an interesting chain reaction in the defense, and what are teams going to do? How are teams going to react to that? I'm curious to see how they're going to react. I don't know. But offenses will have to get more creative to score. Defenses will have to get more creative. I think you have the possibility of, well, certainly the mid-range shot is going to become more important again because being good in those gaps in the defense That's going to be super, super important. So there's going to be more of an emphasis on, hey, we got to make sure that you're shooting well from the mid range. And now if you're shooting well from the mid range, then you're drawing guys away and maybe post players can come back like that. And I'm not saying that the, the league is pining for post players, but what this might do is create an interesting change of style that, That we used to have, and this is the the great criticism of the three-point era, is that the game has gotten homogenous, that everybody is doing the the same thing. Everybody's shot chart looks the same. Everybody's trying to get the layups, which of course everybody's always trying to get layups. And then three-pointers around and nothing in the mid-range because it's such an inefficient shot. And the three is worth more than two, but if the three is harder to get, then it becomes less worth your while because it it's harder to get that extra point. And we've been talking about the three pointer a lot and changing the scoring and changing this and changing. That. I think it's very simple. When Wilt was dominant, the lane was like this, and they need to. Oh, jeez, I made the camera go out of focus on on YouTube. I apologize for that. But I'm talking with my hands like a good Greek. Uh, but when when Wilt was the uh, the dominant player, the lane was very thin, and then they widened the lane. That was because of Wilt. The league has a history of changing the dimensions on the court. The, the three-point line used to be closer. It was back, and then it was closer. I'm trying to, like refocus my camera as I'm talking. Okay. I got it back. (laughs) You got to watch the YouTube videos to see what I'm talking about. But the three point line was where it is now. And then for a while in the nineties, it got closer and like everybody was hitting threes. The entire three point line was the same distance as the corner three. And it became a free for all. And people were like, Nope, this is no good. I don't like this at all. And they had to change it back to the normal three point line. Now I say, Make another adjustment to the court and just take away those corner threes. It's There's precedent for, for changing the dimensions, changing the lines on the court. Do it. I want to see how it looks. I think it's going to create some interesting personality for the league. It's going to keep the three-pointer for the elite three-point shooters. And hell, maybe it's going to get more guys shooting from 40 feet, which will be Wild. I know maybe that doesn't seem like something that you want, but guys pulling up from 40 feet and being able to hit that shot is insane to me. It's like a 400 foot home run in baseball, like the 500 foot home run in baseball, like being able to consistently pull from there and hit is like wild. And if you can do it, then congratulations, you've earned that extra point. That's what the three point line is for earning that extra point with an extraordinary skill. And that's what it boils down to for me. If you have the extraordinary skill to hit from that line and back, then you should earn the extra points. But if you're passable, 35%, just barely passable, and you're you're living in the corner, the PJ Tucker's of the world. Like, he can do other things. He'd still be, still be pretty good. But... The guys who make a living in the corner find you gotta find some way else to make to make your living. It doesn't mean that you can't step in and take other shots, but you've got to be multi dimensional so I'm gonna start my comp- campaign eliminate the corner three. I'm in on this. I believe in this, so we'll see how this goes. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed the show. I hope you're enjoying the YouTube stuff as I continue to experiment with everything. I appreciate everybody kind of stick by me as I do experiment with everything. And it seems like people are enjoying it. Uh, I had a great suggestion in one of the comments about maybe doing a YouTube live when uh, there's an off day. That I think is going to be a good idea that I'm going to try to work in here. I'm going to do more live shows with Q&A that um, I think are going to work. And as soon as I figure out this program and how to stream it, Uh, because I'm not doing this directly to YouTube. I'm using a different program, but ultimately what I'll be able to do is do a live show that broadcasts on Twitter, on Facebook, on YouTube, and really get this thing popping. So that's coming too. Stay tuned for that. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. Hope you enjoy it enough to give a five-star rating and a good written review. That really, really helps, especially the YouTube stuff. However you rank it and rate it and everything on YouTube, please do that because trying to get this thing off the ground, and that'll be a huge, huge help for me as well. So I appreciate you all. Thank you, and thank you for sharing the podcast and telling everybody that they should be listening to the Lockdown Celtics podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network.